Okay, look, we're in Mark 4. We're having a break from Esther, just, just, just for a change of scene. But also, just a message, you know, uh, that the Lord has laid on my heart. And I hope this, this uh, itches where you're scratching. Well, it scratches where you're itching. And hopefully just gives us some appreciation of how God works, how God builds his kingdom. So our heading is this in Mark 4. The kingdom will grow under God's supervision, in God's time, at God's pace, in God's way, and by God's power. That's the heading. Okay? The kingdom will grow under God's supervision, in God's time, at God's pace, in God's way, by God's power. And if you've got all that, you can leave now. Because that's the sermon. Okay? But if you want to break down, again, put up with this pommy accent for a half an hour, and then hang back. Okay, look. So that's the point. Look, here it is. Isn't it true that it can be quite disheartening to be part of a small church? But seriously, if we're honest, you know, growth doesn't come the way we'd hoped. It's slower than we hoped. Our finances are low. We're not quite breaking even. There's so much to do. You know, they expect you to do so much in this church. You know, there's so much to do. Even to get this place set up. I mean, some people last, came in last night on Saturday evening when they could have been out partying and set this place up. You know, it's, there's a lot to do. And, you know, we could be excused for thinking... It's a lost cause. Why bother? I go to a bigger church when it's all just laid on for you. And look, and we, we'll be forgiven for thinking that. And here's what I, say, what I want to say to you. Here's what Scripture says to us. And Scripture does speak into our scenario. Jesus apprehended our scenarios. In fact, you know, when we read the New Testament, let me ask you, how big do you think the church in Corinth the Apostle Paul planted it. Goodness sake, the answer's there. <laughs> I shit myself. I wouldn't be any good as a teacher, would I, Emma? Okay? The answer's there. How big was the church at Corinth? Did you know that? Did you know that the church in Corinth that takes up two New Testament books that Paul planted, spent hours and weeks and years of his life investing in? There was only 40 people there. And so, don't get discouraged. The fact that we've got a small beginning. Corinth, the church, started and was that small for the, the life and duration of Paul's ministry there. And so, it's not a strange phenomenon where we are. It's where, it's where the church begins. And so, Jesus speaks to Corinth and he speaks to Living Word Bible Church and he says, this is how... I build my kingdom. So come with me if you would. Mark 4, verse 26. Then. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. So the kingdom is the work of Jesus. It's, it's brought about by the gospel of Jesus. And it's the expression of it. Here is an expression of Jesus' kingdom. Uh, we're a microcosm 
of the big kingdom, but, but we are an expression of that. And this is how it works. A man scatters seed on the ground. And look, we're going to look at the context of this parable at the end of the sermon because it fits into the Bible in a particular place. But if we went back a bit earlier, and it was a bit too much for Naomi to read, so, so we didn't read it. But earlier Jesus does the parable of the sower, and, and he tells us, he explains to us, to the disciples at least, what the little symbol, symbolism is. And what did he say the seed was? Does anyone remember? From the parable of the sower, the seed was? There you go, look, the answer's there again. Goodness sake, okay? The seed is the word, the Bible, the gospel. And so, so the sower, the man, his job is to scatter, look, scatter the seed. You notice when Graham was doing his planting, he was very particular, got exactly in that thingy. That's not really generally how farming is done. Farming is much more of a scattering exercise. I said to you a couple of pommy illustrations today. If you, you, know, if you don't like the pommes, you know, you have to just stick your fingers in here for the next half an hour. Right, okay? So look, here, here's the first one. So I started my pastoral ministry in Kent, uh, south-east England. Look, I've even told you where it is there. You, you may already know there. Okay. Uh, now, that area of Britain, uh, lovely scenic place, but that area of Britain was renowned for, church, for a church movement called the Gospel Standard. Have you ever heard of that church movement? There's bound to be expressions of it here under a different guise. Called Gospel Standard, okay? And they did their utmost not to be noticed. No joke. They did their utmost for no one to know they were there. They, the churches, you wouldn't even know the church, their notice board was black with small white writing just so you can't see it. Okay? Because, no joke, they laboured out being unnoticed. Do you know why? Do you know why? Yeah, they, they got a Bible verse for it, they upgrade Okay? Because they didn't believe you should be casting your seed to swines. That only the people God chose can be saved. And you, we don't know who they are. And so you don't tell anybody. You might get the wrong person. You may get a pig in the kingdom. And so they wouldn't preach the gospel. In fact, the church I pastor broke away from that church. It's only 10, 20 yards down the street to the one I pastored. Because the pastor, who was the pastor of that church before me, my predecessor, got fired for what? Guess what? He got fired for... Preaching the gospel and offering it to the congregation. They fired him. So what do you think you're doing? And so he, he began the church that I later pastored. Here's, here's what I want you to notice about this man. What does he do with his seed? He scatters it. And Jesus in the previous parable tells us how widely he scatters it. So, so the first thing that we, that we recognize about gospel work, work of the kingdom... And is that the word has to get out there and the word has to be scattered liberally, generally, as widely as we can possibly get. This isn't just for our best mates or for my little kids. This is for everyone we encounter. This is for our community. This is for Hope Valley. The good and the bad people of Hope Valley. Hopefully there's lots of good people here. And our job is not to do... Decipher who should get this. 
but to spread it as widely as we can. It's, 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 why, it's why we give out those leaflets. And you know, when we were giving them out on Friday, we weren't looking for the nicest houses and the best cars. We just gave it to whoever we encountered. Just spoke to whoever we met. And so the first point is, is that we've got to get the word out there. Jesus' kingdom grows by the word getting out there. And it has to get out there liberally, generally, as widely as we can. First point. Second one. Notice verses 27 and 28. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the seal produce, the soil produces grain, first stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. Look, there's a lot of detail here. The next three points are going to come from these two verses. So the seed is planted. That's what we do. That's what Catherine does when she does junior church. She's planting seed, just like that fellow over there, the farmer. Okay, we know he's a farmer. He even had the voice to go with it. Okay, so, so the seed is planted. That's the work of the farmer, the gospel worker, us. But who then takes control? Who said that? God. God. Precisely. Here's what a commentator writes. The growth of the seed does not depend on human activity. This parable suggests that the kingdom of God does not arrive all at once and that its coming is more a matter of God's grace than our obedience. Did you hear that? The growth of the kingdom, the growth of the church is more anchored in God's grace and purpose than in our obedience or work. Can you see the point he's making there, friends? Is that night or day, whether he sleeps or not, the the farmer only plants. Once his planting is done, when Graham planted those seeds in there, what was he doing? Yeah, prodding and poking and getting frustrated. What should he have done? And gone to bed. And woke up and gone to bed. And woke up and gone to bed. And woke up and gone to bed. You see, once he plants those seeds, it was out of his hands. It's out of his crown. That guy, as good as he is, he's a really multi-talented fellow, seriously. And I'm not joking. He can do a lot of things well. As talented as he is, okay, he has no power to make seeds grow, seeds grow. No power whatsoever. And that's the point here, is that conversions, the growth of the kingdom, is out of our hands. And nothing you do, or nothing I do, can make it grow. So we have, Jesus wants us to understand that. The growth is out of our control. You see, authentic church growth is entirely at the pleasure of God. Let me tell you about Hillsong. I'm going to start here because I want, to, I want you to see that I've got nothing against Hillsong. We went there a couple of years back to one of their services. I think there's a picture there. Uh, can we go back? Way back to this Hillsong one, please. Thank you. There. Look, that's me in the crowd. Can you see? Yeah. You see that? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've forgotten, Sid. Yeah. There's always one, isn't there? Look, we were in there, mega church, and a lovely service. We drove an hour from our hotel in the harbour to get there. That's brilliant. Oh, the, the, the mechanics. You drive in and someone meets you and points you the way you've got to go and puts a drink in your hand and takes your kids off you. And they're excited about the mammoth slides that are outside the building. They've got several kid centres. You know, you're going to sit down and the music's already going and there's television screens everywhere and everyone's enthusiastic. And you don't have to do a thing. Really. Just sit down. It's great. Hey, that was, you know, that began in 1983 in New South Wales by Brian and Bobby Houston. Right? Let me tell you. And I'd say, and, and I'm sure Brian and Bobby would acknowledge this. That growth has nothing to do with them. It wasn't because Brian and Bobby are really smart church planters. He wasn't. He wasn't because Brian's a great preacher. He, he may be, but that's not why. It's not because they had great ideas. No. Jesus wants you to know that that church has grown to what it is because he gave it the growth. That doesn't give Brian Houston a license to tell everybody else how to grow their churches. Not that he's doing that. And it doesn't tell you to go and learn what he's doing so you can do the same here. Okay? That church has grown to what it is because Jesus Alone, not Brian Houston, not Bobby. Okay, we'll carry on without it. He may come back in 10 minutes. Because of God giving the growth. That's the second point, then, friends, is that church growth is something that God does, He makes them grow. And we're not to look at leaders of big churches and treat them like they're some kind of hero that done some wonderful thing that we have to do. If only we did exactly the same thing, then we'd have a church like Hillsong. No, you can do that. We try that. God alone sovereignly gives the growth. The third thing, the third thing is, notice what the farmer demonstrates. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. What was the thing that Graham was lacking when he was doing his farming? Thank you, who said that? Yeah, you picked that up, didn't you? I mean, the guy just planted him, he's expecting to get a... What, what, what seeds were they? Sweet cord. Sweet cord? Like what? In moments, no, 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 no. Graham was lacking a key thing in farming. Patience. I, I don't think, look, I don't think he's always like that. I'm pretty sure he's not. Let me just catch up to where I am. Um, patience. Patience is key. Here's what a commentator writes. A second interpretation constitutes the details of the farmer's rising and sleeping as an evidence of his patience while the seed bears fruit and the blade pushes through the earth, forms a stalk, and then the year full of grain. 
The parable encourages those who are excitedly waiting await the kingdom of God to have the same unhurried patience as the farmer. As the harvest is God-given, the earth produces of itself. The farmer does not know how, so it is with, so it is with the kingdom of God. The growth of plants cannot be forced. All the farmer can do is leave everything to God while continuing his daily routine, waiting patiently until the grain is ready to be harvested. The other thing about the growth of the kingdom is that it takes time. And here's the thing, and Graham can tell you, Graham, you can plant several seeds across your garden, even of the same fruit or vegetable. Do they all come up exactly at the same time? No. God's kingdom grows at differing paces in differing locations according to his own will. And it's no good that farmer looking across to that farmer and saying, I'm obviously doing it all wrong because mine hasn't even begun to sprout yet. That's the point. Is that the farmer patiently gets on with his work as God brings about growth. Patience, look, patience is something, look, I struggle with patience. I've said that to you more than once before. And look, I want the church to grow as today, yesterday. When I came here this morning, I wanted this place to be full. Right? I wanted 10 people here last night setting up because of the amount of equipment that we needed. But it doesn't work like that, you see, because here's what I've learned, and I'm sure we're learning this together, is that the timing is God's prerogative. We can't make it happen faster by willing him on. You know, some of us treat prayer like God's a genie in a lamp. You're rubbing up enough, hard enough, often enough. He will do it. You shout enough and get enough, enough of a prayer chain together and enough people praying and enough people fasting and enough people walking the street and we will make God grow the kingdom. It doesn't work like that, do you see? You know, as you saw earlier, I've always been bullied up here. Do this, do that, do that. You'll get used to it. You're quite welcome to bully me. Yeah, I, I just take it on the chin. But you won't get a call from me this week. They're asking how you are. <laughs> Kidding. You can't bully God. And don't treat prayer like your bully instrument. We can't bully God. You know, prayer... It's a conversation of which you leave with your will changed. <laughs> Not him. We get that, don't we? We're the ones who change. We can't bully him into growing the church at our rate. One thing Jesus wants us to know in the work of the kingdom is that we need great patience. And we can't compare our growth rate with any other work of the kingdom. It's a sovereign work of God. Great patience is necessary because God works at different paces in different fields with differing seeds. 
notice the next one. Notice the next one. How the, the, the process, similar to what we said earlier, is outside of the farmer. Verse 27 and 28, again, night and day, it grows whether he sleeps or not. And notice how it grows. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel. Notice there's a sequential process here. There's a process taking place by which God grows a church. There's different stages that need to come to full maturity before, before the next stage. I mean, could you imagine uh, your sweet corn, bearing sweet corn before there was even a, <laughs> a stalk? It's just bizarre, wouldn't it? Each stage has to happen sequentially. And God decides those sequential steps. And he decides when each of those steps is ready for the next and ready for the next. And the thing is, the reality is the farmer often has no idea quite where we are on that sequential system. And so again, the farmer has to stand back and allow God in his wisdom. You know something? I think that we're ready for it. We're ready to be a bigger church. That's what I think. We're ready to take over Adelaide. That's what I believe. What do I know? What do I know? Yeah, not a lot, okay? Okay? I don't know at what stage we are at. Who am I to tell God that we want the sweet corn when actually we're still in the germination stage? And that's going to get a, a proper rooting. Then we're going to get our roots down and develop strong there. So that when we do come up here... We're ready to take on the world. I don't know where we are. And so the farmer doesn't interfere in the process. It's not to do with him. You know when Ephesians 2 says, it's by grace that we're saved, not by ourselves. It's not by works and no one can boast. He's not just speaking to the person who's saved and saying, look, you're, you're, not, you're saved because of God. Don't boast. He's also saying that to the seed plant. And he's saying, that person got con- converted because of God. So you shut up too. Can you see the point? Now, Morag teaches our kids about Jesus. And that may lead to their faith, Morag. Are we thankful? To you. Seriously. You know, I don't always tell you that, but we are. But more ultimately doesn't control that process of what God is doing in our kids. God does. Jesus wants us to know he's in charge. Here's what a commentator says. He may suggest that the farmer is unable to affect the process. The parable underlines the fact that the earth reproduces of itself and the germination of the seed and its transforming growth is unrelated to the farmer's ability, activity or wisdom. Did you hear that? That the growth is unrelated to the pastor and the Sunday school teacher and the evangelist's ability, activity or wisdom. Who's the pastor of influences? The, the planters, the original founders. I forget Actually, the name. Okay, Mr. Evans. With all due respect, it wasn't your ingenuity or your brilliance or your skill set that grew influences to what it is today. 
And Jesus wants that to be known. Jesus wants that to be known. It is a, it, it's, it's, that process is ordered by God and at the right time and the right season when, when, the, when, Mr., when Mr. Evans and his sons and the work that they were doing was at the right stage, God gave the blossom. And not because of anything special or unique about them or what they did. It wasn't because they had better ideas than any other church. It wasn't because they were more sensitive to how the world worked than any other pastor or any other Sunday school teacher. It was entirely because God had structured it that their growth came at that season for God's glory and pleasure. The success of a church isn't down to great ideas or great methods or great cleverness of the people of that church. It's entirely down to God. So fourthly, the process is outside the control of the work. And then finally, finally, we've given up on the computer. Don't worry about it. I've nearly finished. Okay. And great. Oh, of course. We've nearly finished. So, and lastly, then, the growth of the kingdom, the, the growth of the kingdom has begun way before it becomes visible. The growth of the kingdom has begun way before it becomes visible. You see that? Night and day, whether, the, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. The sword produces grain by itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the kernel. Let me ask you, if we waited, what, 100 sleeps? We lead us here, okay? And we finally see a shoot. What does that tell you that happened for 100 years? 100 days? What does that tell you that's been happening for 100 days? What does that tell you? That it's been working away. There's been growth. There's been activity. There's been industry. There's been great, great things all happening below the surface and nobody knew it. Nobody knew it. Let me tell you about the palms again. Okay? So when I was working in Kent, pastoring the church there, I was called from the Garden of England, Kent, to, to a place called Suffolk. Hey, we're live again. There's a map of Suffolk and a picture of a, a farmer and a field, Ricky. There we go. Okay, so there's Suffolk. I was called to a church there in rural England. Beautiful rolling meadows and everybody farmed, and they especially farmed pigs. You can see why I would have loved it there, can't you? Okay? Right, okay? Now, look, you know, when we were having that engagement with the church, you know, there's, there's full of farmers, you know, who are on massive, massive farms. Okay? And we ran one of them, you know, a lovely fella, having, having lunch. And then after lunch, he took us around to his, you know, to his farm, show, you know, showing us all these acres and acres of farmland. And he took us to a field just like this, you know, all brown and dirty and horrible looking. And he says, see that? That's going to become a, a great harvest. I'm going to fill this barn. Now, if I was stupid, like I can be, I would have just laughed at it. <laughs> Come on. Like there's something growing there. Like there's going to be a harvest there. Look, it's just a dirty field. Nothing's happening there. 
Obviously. The guy's out of his mind. What's he talking about? Cuckoo land. That's where he lives, you see. I had no idea. And I could not have had any idea what was taking place under the soil. In my stupidity, I had no idea that seeds planted there were germinating, sprouting their roots, getting strong, that God was giving growth. And if I was sensible enough to come back in a couple of months, I would have seen that field full of growth and potential. And a few months later, a mammoth harvest and barns full of grain. And so what does Jesus want us to know, friends? He wants you to know you cannot judge what God is doing in a church by how it looks now. Seriously. We're no judge of what God is doing here. And you know, sometimes we're insulting him. We're insulting God. When we stand in the field and go, oh, nothing happening there, is there? Bunch of old people. I was looking at you, Nikki. Who the heck are we to insult God like that? We have no idea what he's doing here or any other kingdom, do we? Here, a fourth interpretation emphasizes the hidden process. The parable may teach that it does not matter that the kingdom is hidden to so many. Something is taking place underground that will become fully visible in due course. The kingdom has begun to work, even though its significance is yet to be appreciated by all, because the growth is so Im- imperceptible. Imperceptible, rather. Something is occurring on the ground with a seed that may be overlooked when, when it is in in its blade stage, only the, pract- pract- the practice eye can see what it will become. When the field is fully ripe, however, it cannot be overlooked. The point is that just like we'll be stupid looking at a field that's brown and suggest nothing's happening, we would be really silly Christian to be a part of this church or to visit this church and go, not a lot happening in that church. Let's go to the big one. That would be a really daft thing to do. Okay? None of us can conclude that we're a lost cause. None of us can say there's nothing happening here. None of us can say we're failures or that we have failed. None of us are, are warranted to make that judgment. Because none of us know the processes God is using to get to what he's doing Christian. God may be doing great things here, it just hasn't become visible yet in us. To Christian, members of Living Word Bible Church, listeners online, do not judge us by the size of our congregation, by the professionalism of our service, by the quality of our online services, by the budget that we operate under, or by the fact that we can only hire a building, we can't afford our own. Do not judge us by that. Who knows? But the living word church, when God has brought us to the, uh, the final of what he's doing, 
Who knows that Living Word Church may be the most influential church in Adelaide? Who knows? And don't you dare tell me that's not the case. Because you don't know. And I don't know what God is doing and what he's begun and where it will end. Whether Living Word Church musicians will sell music across the world. Don't you dare say that that may not happen. Who knows that people will travel from other countries just to visit Living Word Church Adelaide. You don't know that that's not in God's plan. You can't judge but what you see today. And so we live in hope and expectation that God may yet do great things. That God is doing presently, has been doing. We just can't see it. Great things. Getting the church ready for what he has for it. I've got to finish. Here's the context. You need the context. The first parable in the context is the parable of the sower. So the first thing that Jesus wants us to, to do is that 80%, 75% of our work will produce no fruit. For every thousand leaflets, at least 750 are wasted. Which, which means what? In order to reach 1,000, we've got to deliver 1,000 times 4. So guys, deliver us more leaflets a month on Friday. And then after that, more leaflets. And after that, more leaflets. And more Sunday school. And more evangelistic services. More special plays. Whatever it takes to get the word out there. Because a great percentage of those won't bear fruit. Number one. The second thing, the parable of the lampstand. What's that telling us? It's in the context of this parable. It's telling us, what don't you do with the lamp when you light it? You don't hide it. We've got to get our light out. We've got to proclaim the truth. We've got to put our banners up and get our online services going and tell our neighbours and friends and everybody else we can. We've got to let it shine. Let it shine. That's a song, isn't it? <laughs> okay, we've got to let it shine. Be proud of the fact. The next parable in this context is the parable of the mustard seed. That's the last one we're going to look at. So I'm going to finish then. What's that all about? The parable of the mustard seed. That the kingdom of God, the church of Christ, how does it begin? Tiny weeny, maybe with 35 people. But when God's finished with it, What does it become? The mammoth work. Exhibiting and influencing and affecting great portions of the world. It tells you, it tells every little church that that's how God begins. And in his due time, and in his way, and at his will, at his pleasure, with none of your gifts or skills having anything to do with it. He brings it from that tiny weeny seed to a mammoth tree that has massive impact and influence. So Christian, so Christian, get excited about living word Bible church. Amen! Okay? Don't lose hope, sector. 
Be hopeful. Serve with enthusiasm. Give sacrificially. Preach passionately. And believe wholeheartedly.